grab your coffee, get jacked up. It's Jamie Taylor and another episode of The Block Talk, and we are here this morning with Frank Scott, the mayoral candidate born and raised in the city of Little Rock. I am so excited to meet you and have you on the show. Please say good morning to our listeners and tell us how you got from hometown boy to hometown hero. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. My name is Frank Scott Jr. to the listeners. Uh, Born, raised, still reside in Southwest Little Rock, a product of Little Rock Public Schools. Um, Just all around hometown kid and just excited to be running for mayor of my hometown. So how did you get from, you know, I'm I'm a high school kid and then you went into, I guess, uh, politics right out of college, No, actually, it's kind of an interesting story uh, as a sheriff from Southwest Little Rock. I'm one of those kids who actually did not want to go to college. I came from a uh, scenario of children having children in my family. My mother had my older sister uh, when she was 14, headed to the ninth grade in high school at Little Rock Central. Uh, my older sister, I came about five years after my sister. My older sister had uh, my niece when she was a senior in high school, and my older sister wasn't able to go to college, and my mother uh, said, you're going no matter what, even if you won't, don't want to. And so long story short, I ended up going to college, went off to University of Memphis. My mom wanted me to get out of Little Rock for just a little bit, uh, just so I could experience a different set of ways. Uh, so went off to University of Memphis, got really involved in politics there, uh, uh, campaigning for then uh, Congressman Harold Ford Jr. and uh, the late great uh, state representative Lois D. Berry, who was a pioneering uh, woman uh, politician uh, in the city of Memphis. Came back after college uh, from the University of Memphis and started um, business career, actually, uh, working for Target Corporation as a distribution manager. Did that for a couple of years and decided to get back in politics by campaigning for then Attorney General Mike Beebe uh, for his effort to become governor. He ultimately won. I joined his administration as a policy advisor, ultimately becoming his senior advisor on policy and director of intergovernmental affairs. While at night working for Governor Beebe, got my MBA at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. I uh, decided to get back in business, and so now I've been at First Security Bank uh, for the last seven years as a vice president that focuses on commercial lending and strategy. And then in 2013, Governor Beebe decided to be really crazy and uh, appoint a 29-year-old uh, young man uh, to the State Highway Commission when then-State Highway Commissioner John Burkhalter decided uh, to run for lieutenant governor. So he had four years left on the State Highway Commission, so I served out the remaining four years on that term. And after that, decided, uh, through a lot of prayer and thought, to decide to run for mayor of my hometown. Well, I am so excited to hear that story. And as a young man growing up in Little Rock, and you, like you said, a product of kids having kids, what is your main concern if you were to become the mayor about the communities that you grew up in, as far as the schools, um, the walkability? What do you see the vision of Little Rock looking like? Yeah, so my vision, uh, and there's nothing wrong with the existing candidates, but my vision for Little Rock is truly about Little Rock. Uh, We can talk policy for days, and I'm a former policy wonk, but what Little Rock really needs right now is a leader that can cast a vision uh, focused on unifying our city, moving us from being disconnected to connected, uh, and jobs growth. Uh, Two things that really holds Little Rock back is diversity in the marketplace and educational achievement. So what you'll hear a lot about uh, my campaign is this unity message. And this unity message is targeted towards jobs, growth, and educational achievement and diversity in the marketplace. Uh, if you go, get a chance, go to frankscottjr.com. What we have on that website, we have an opportunity agenda that focuses on youth and education, where we show what a mayor actually can do as it relates to education in the city of Little Rock. We also have a jobs agenda and a public safety agenda. If you give me a few moments on the educational side, because mm-hmm. that's really what's going to change the game as I talk to you again, it's diversity in the marketplace and educational achievement. So right now we understand that our, our 
Little Rock School District is still under state control. I mean, think about it. It's 2018. Uh, in 2017, we were celebrating 60 years since the Little Rock Nine, and our school district was under state control. That's a problem. We have to yeah. get our school district back under local control, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Here's what I plan on doing as your next mayor. Uh, when you think about uh, what a city can do to help uh, the Little Rock School District, as a, a banker, I found out the best way to have influence over something that you don't own, you become a strategic investor. Yeah. And so one of the things that I want to invest in into Little Rock School District is a summer reading academy. Uh, we have a horrible grade level reading pro, uh, problem in the city of Little Rock, Arkansas as well. Uh, and so if you're not able to read by the time you're in the third grade, you're either going to be dead or on your way to going to jail. And so the best, and even so now we have to understand there are prison statisticians that are determining the number of beds that are going to be built based on the number of kids who can't read in the third grade. Oh and so what we plan to do is to offer $11 million within the existing $275 million budget of the city because uh, we can find it, $11 million to fund this Summer Reading Academy program to make certain that we create this transformational change. It won't happen overnight, but if we really start addressing this, it's not only an educational solution, it's also going to be a crime prevention solution. So that's our opportunity agenda. Well, so education is so important. Like you said, it starts with education, and that's mm -hmm. in, in relation to all different fields, as far as I'm concerned anyways, because if you're educated, you can go and do whatever it is that you want to do, whether that's build a business, work at the bank, you know, get into real estate. How do you feel in relation to education, real estate, and the economy surrounding those two things? How do you feel like those are interrelated, and how do you think the education initiatives and the things that take place in the school district are going to help those residents later as they stay in Little Rock? Well, education, the opportunity agenda creates the farm team for the future business leaders of Little Rock. I mean, that's exactly exactly what it is. You have to be educated to be in the marketplace, to thrive in the marketplace. And you also have to have opportunity. And we have to talk more about the opportunities or lack thereof in the city of Little Rock. I get sick and tired of my friends and family members who choose to leave Little Rock because they can't realize their true potential right here. They move off to Dallas. They move off to Chicago. They move off to Memphis and Atlanta uh, because they reach a ceiling that if they're not connected with the in crowd or the in, in network in Little Rock, they have to move because Little Rock has become a place of choice and circumstance. Many choose to be here and those that become a place of circumstance that they get an opportunity to leave they leave and we have to stop this so many times people are talking about how do we attract millennials my question is why are we retaining the millennials that we got right now right that's the greater focus right now and so that's what you'll have in the Scott administration so how are we going to do that you're talking about millennials and you're talking about very close to our age group mm -hmm. I think we're right in the middle though but you are the youngest candidate correct yeah I'm 34 <laughs> years old I'm an elder millennial so yeah, yeah that's all oh, I like the way that sounds yeah. I'm also an elder so uh, being an elder millennial how are we going to keep them in our city. I mean, what can we do to attract them to stay here? Number one, they got to have a job. Yeah. Uh, the medium income right now in the city of Little Rock is thirty-two to thirty-four thousand dollars. That's not really good in comparison to other places. Uh, we have to focus on jobs development right here, right now. So in our FrankScottJr.com, we have a jobs agenda. Uh, that jobs agenda focuses on number one, we got to take care of the existing entrepreneurs that are here right now. Uh, Little Rock is not a business-friendly location. To be the state capital city, uh, it's hard to do business here. As a banker, I, I know that my clients in Northwest Arkansas they can get something done in City Hall in two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, the very fact that we say Northwest Arkansas, we don't say Fayetteville, Springdale, yeah. <laughs> and Benville is mm -hmm. a problem as well because Little Rock, the capital city, isn't leading and creating a true Central Arkansas region. We're too busy fighting between Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryan, Benton, and Cabot. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have to focus on regionalism. Uh, we have to uh, get rid of the impediments to jobs growth as it relates to uh, permanent licensing and things of that nature. Mm. So I want to create a red tape commission. Then number two, I want to bring economic development in-house. Right now, it's it's pretty much, uh, uh, the chamber is leading it pretty much right now. I want the mayor of Little Rock 
to lead on economic development while the chamber is a strategic partner. So what I want to do is bring it all in-house, create an economic development corporation. And in addition to that, uh, very similar to what we see in North Little Rock, what we see in Kansas City, what we see in Dallas, what we see in Philadelphia and Atlanta, guess what? All of their jobs are pretty much better than ours. So uh, as we look at that, where we focus more on minority and women business-owned companies because those are the most thriving and most expansive businesses that are going on across the nation right now. Mm -hmm. We've got to focus on technology and innovation. Uh, so there are a lot of things we're going to talk about that you can find out at frankscottjr.com and our jobs agenda. Uh, but uh, one cool thing that I want to work on and part of this economic development corporation where we have a greater focus on direct flights. Meaning direct flight strategy where we can go to Dallas and say, X company, you got 50 employees, you're thriving in Dallas, but come to Little Rock. We got financial capital here. You're one or two phone calls away from a governor. Uh, you got great quality of life and affordable living. Bring your 50 jobs here and grow them here in right here in Little Rock. What we don't want to happen is what happened 40 years ago where we didn't take a chance or a managed risk opportunity with Fred Smith. See, Fred Smith started FedEx in Little Rock. Mm -hmm. He had a great company, but the fathers and forefathers and mothers of this city did not want to give him a direct hangar at the Little Rock Airport. They was like, what is this overnight box thing? Right. And so they didn't support him, and he took it to the city of Memphis. This first-generation college student went with other first-generation college students at the city of Memphis. The difference was my parents were still poor, and their parents were millionaires. Not, and they had high school degrees. And th think of what Little Rock would be right now. Right. If it had started here. If FedEx would have, it started here, continued here. Right. Just like Dave and Buster's started in the Little Rock and ultimately left because we haven't been a business-friendly organization. So what's your first move then if you were to win the race? I know I-30 is part of it, right? I mean, do we need to talk about the expansion having something to do with that economic development, or do you think you can bring the, bring the development without that? Well, I-30 is already here. Uh, short of uh, the U.S. Department of Transportation final approval, uh, there will most likely be a lawsuit about it. I support it. Uh, we can talk in more detail while I support it. I think very sim. I give a great example. People thought uh, that the Clintons were crazy when they located near the wetlands uh, in 2004. They said, why in the world are they going to put a presidential library right next to the wetlands. I'm going to give you a little insight because it's next to Interstate 40. And it created an economic boom because most distribution commerce comes from interstates. Right. And so it created a $3 billion economic boom, not only to downtown Little Rock, but to central Arkansas. What you're going to find in the 30 Crossing Project is uh, because I was on the Highway Commission and I understood the history of the city of Little Rock because I was born and raised here. My mother grew up on, I grew up walking the streets of 9th Street. She grew up on Wolf Street in the South End, grew up walking the streets of 9th Street during that period of time. I wanted to make certain that, six, that 30 Crossing would not have the same negative impacts of 630. And once I made certain that no one would be displaced from their home, here's the reason why they can't be displaced their home, because the state has the right-of-way. Why does the state have the right-of-way? Because the city of Little Rock has never had a comprehensive urban plan. we got to have a comprehensive mm -hmm. urban plan to know what we want the city to look like moving right. forward. And so once I figured out the history wouldn't repeat itself, I turned my focus towards safety. 125,000 people traveled that corridor each and every day on a structurally deficient bridge. What we don't want to happen is what happened in Minneapolis, Minnesota when mm -hmm. their bridge failed. We gotta fix that bridge. Yeah. So after we move from safety, we gotta talk about quality of life. I made certain that all the community was heard, went to over 1,200 meetings, 80% of it I went to, to make certain that it wasn't business as usual at the highway department as it relates to community outreach. Mm -hmm. So everyone's voice was heard so much so that we changed the program 17 times. So is the project perfect? No but it is good. Right. And so a part of that, we're going to get a central park. 
right in the middle of downtown, which we don't have and which would be great. But not only quality of life, as we shared earlier, it's going to be an economic boom. I promise you, Cromwell Architects, Cathead, East End, so much eco economy is going right now. Yeah. Why? Because it's directly next to Interstate 30. And, and it's they right know by that presidential library. Exactly. <laughs> and they know exactly why. Why? Because Interstate 40 is the most traveled interstate in the entire nation. Interstate 30 is in the top 10. And guess what happened? They intersect where? In the city of Little Rock. That's the funny thing about it is yeah. you finally, and that's I usually wait for the guests to say the words yeah. of, you know, real estate kind of activates my passion. And what excites me about the project is that, yes, like what you said, there's no displacement. I know that when the highway department comes in, typically they have to hire appraisers. Appraisers have to go out there and say, this is what it's worth. Highway department has to buy it. The people yeah. have to move. It's just a big, huge mess. And so without the displacement, you're allowing the opportunity for economy to move into the area. Uh, larger businesses, probably larger companies are going to be mm. more interested in being here, like you said, if they can be at the intersection of 40 and 30 right here in the of our city. Yeah. So if that's to happen and everything goes great and you win the mayoral race, you mentioned that you changed a program you brought down 17 times before you implemented officially. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that you're going to be the kind of mayor we can call and say, hey, I need to have lunch with you. I need to talk to you about this opportunity. I want to explore it. Are you going to have your boots on the ground every day? I will say that I changed the game when I became a highway commissioner. Many people looked at the highway commission as this mystical organization. And so I opened the doors to the state highway commission because everyone did call me. I went to over 80% of the 1,200 meetings. Many people have my cell phone number. I, I've had the same cell phone number for years, so it's, which is 501-310-4312. I'm always accessible and transparent, and that's what we need in the next mayor, uh, someone that's going to always answer your question whether you like the answer or not mm -hmm. And as we move forward. Well, I really love your energy, and let's just talk about that age thing one more time because you grew up in southwest Little Rock, correct, mm -hmm. and they're about to get a brand-new high school. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? And you went to high school in southwest Little Rock? No, actually, I went to high school school uh, in West Central Little Rock, which is called John Barrow Road. I okay. went to Little Rock Part of your Arts and Science Magnet. Uh, as I talked to you, my mother had this uh, experiences with education with children, having children for quite some time. And so once she made certain that I was going to go to college, uh, she became very invested in my education. And so what she wanted to make certain was that I went to a magnet school. So she literally woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning standing in line so I could go to Horace Mann Junior High, which was a magnet for, for the middle school area, as well as Little Rock Parkview Arts and Science Magnet. So I have, uh, while I'm born and raised in southwest Little Rock, uh, my mother comes from the south end, so when she would go uh, continue to go on to her second job and other works things, and when my father was at the fire department, uh, I would be dropped off in the South End. And not only was I dropped off in the South End and created friends in the South End, and I got friends in Southwest Little Rock. When you went to Little Rock Parview, it's a great melting pot. Yeah. It's a, it looks like Little Rock at Little Rock Parkview. And so where I have friends from the East End, friends from the Heights, Hillcrest, things of that nature, what, what we uh, experienced with that part of. But here's another great thing that what you have to think about with Little Rock. I didn't go to the Heights or Hillcrest until I was 22 years old because I worked for Governor Beebe. Here you now have this college-educated student born and raised in Southwest Little Rock. I have my friends, so they say, hey, after we're leaving work, let's go have some drinks at uh, this pl old place called Ferno. They <laughs> say, hey, let's go to Kavanaugh. I'm like, what's Kavanaugh? Because I grew up never going past Park Plaza Mall. Huh. And guess what? They grew up never going, park, going past Park Plaza Mall the next direction. That blows and, my mind. But now here in 2018, we have a growing diverse population in West Little Rock that doesn't go downtown. Mm -hmm. And downtown doesn't go to West Little Rock. That's what's wrong with Little Rock. We're not unified and we're, t we're in our individual silos and we're disconnected. And not only disconnected from a uh, person personnel standpoint, we're disconnected from education. We're disconnected from jobs. And we have to have a leader that's going to unify the city and create that type of foundation. So how does your background 
in the banking play into all this as well? Because you did mention commercial lending, which means you're dealing with people on a daily basis right. who are wanting to make investments in other things, like you said, strategic investments and or real estate investments. Yeah. They're coming in there every day. They're saying, what can I do? How does that play into your strengths should you win the race? I think understanding business is something that's needed as well because, again, I talk about unification, but I also talk about jobs development. We have to create regionalism in Little Rock where the state's capital acts like the state's capital mm -hmm. and fosters that regionalism for central Arkansas so we can create more economic development. And I think having a leader that understands uh, ways to finance things, I think there are great opportunities for public-private partnerships in the city of Little Rock. I think my finance skills will help us deal with the central city uh, that needs more infield development with the debilitated homes. There are some great opportunities right now that we can rethink uh, housing urban development funds that we get right now and think and think differently how we get the banking community more involved as it relates to community reinvestment act areas part of low-income census tracts I mean people don't realize the, the river market is a, is a, a CRA area mm -hmm. but the question is what are we going to do for the south end what are we going to do for summit and Schiller and battery and and those debilitated homes are there so we can make it look there we have to have a comprehensive urban plan right. we have to be able to finance it through public-private partnerships to move things forward well I have a great deal of investors who contact me from out of state and on a regular basis they want to pour money into our city they want to onboard those houses because they see it as a profit they don't understand that we're trying to rebuild an infrastructure, you know, from the inside out. They see opportunities for real estate. They want to buy the, the properties because they see the price that they're at, and they're thinking, I'll just remodel it, I'll resell it. Right. But that's not what's going to solve the problem. What's going to solve the problem is actually from the inside out, working as a neighborhood, right, to bring those Agreed. houses back to life. How do you start that process? Does it start with education? Do you go to those neighborhoods and talk to the communities? And, and how, do you, how do you get the neighborhood to start uni uniting so that it can go over a grander scale? I think, again, it starts with education, number one. Number two goes back to having jobs in those particular communities. Okay. I think we have to have more incentives for companies like yourself to invest into those communities. Uh, so a child can never be what they don't see. And right. so you have to uh, have that moving forward. And so a lot of that's laid out in my jobs agenda. I love what you just said. Child can't be what they don't see. Mm -hmm. That's a good quote. I like that. So it's been really great to talk with you. Are there any other points about your campaign that you want to make clear to our listeners? We're all millennial or close yeah. to millennial, and our biggest concern, I think, with the city is we all own small businesses. Right. We want to see the city grow. We want our businesses to grow. We want people to move into this area. The industries represented in this room right now are technology, marketing, right. advertising, real estate, right. all the things that are going to bring the next generation up to the forefront in this city. Well, what I would say to uh, our fellow millennials is uh, if, you if you think Little Rock is fine, don't elect me. <laughs> it's going to change. And I am the one person with the help of my team that will truly change Little Rock. There's nothing wrong with Mr. Curris or, or Mr. Saban. Uh, they're great men. They're friends. Uh, but Little Rock has some deep-seated, rooted issues that have to, to be addressed. And if they're not addressed as it relates to diversity in the marketplace, educational achievement and unifying the city while focusing on jobs growth if we don't do those things nothing else matters right we'll be having the same conversation with jamie taylor four years from now yeah asking no. the same exact <laughs> questions no i'm with you i want to unify because yeah. that's one of the things you know i'm trying i'll be as sensitive as i can about it yeah. but i mentioned before you came in that you mentioned in your most recent article in arkansas times that the deep-seated racial issues are the ones in little rock that are not solved that are the issues that you see that you've dealt with that you know but it, but it moves it's 
yeah, it's racial, but it's cultural. Yep. It's it's uh, sexual orientation and gender identity. Right. We have a lot of issues that we do not address, but you need a leader that can bring everyone together to, at the it. table to talk about it, create a vision for it, set some strategies, and go execute. Yep. And that's what you'll find in a Frank Scott Jr. And again, if you think Little Rock is fine, don't elect yep. me. But if you want to see some real change, some substance change, or someone that can truly build bridges in this city and has had a career of doing that, I'm your guy, uh, and I ask to the listeners, to the viewers, uh, that you consider to vote for me. Early voting starts on October 22nd through November 5th. Mm -hmm. Election day is November 6th. Please follow us on social media. Our website's frankscottjr.com, Facebook, uh, and Twitter, it's Frank Scott Jr. Instagram and Snapchat, it's Frank Scott Jr. LR. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn. If you send a smoke signal, I'll, yeah. I'll respond yeah. to you. So. Great to have you. Great to meet you. I'm so thankful for the opportunity, and we wish you the best of luck in the race. Well, thank we'll you so much. see you on November 6th. See you on November 6th. All right, signing off. Appreciate you.